0: A little 17-year-old teenage girl discovered that she was going to have a baby. She knew who the father was, but the father wasn't in the picture. All she had was her mother, and she didn't know what she was going to do. Filled with fear, sense of guilt, understanding. Her situation, not really knowing how to move forward, the only place she had to turn was to her mother. As she walked into the room and she said, Mama, i got to tell you something, that little teenage girl wasn't sure how her mother would respond, but feared the worst. And sure enough, that mother delivered on that little girl's fears. Mama, I'm going to have a baby. That mama's first and singular response was, you have brought shame upon this family. Then she continued, and if you keep this baby, if you don't have an abortion, you're not going to find any help here. You're not going to find a home here. A little teenager was devastated, but there was a resolve in her heart that the life growing inside of her would see daylight. There was a resolve in her heart that she was going to have this precious baby, and she didn't think she was going to keep the baby. She, she had heard about giving a baby up for adoption, and, and so she began to think and A 17-year-old's mind, without any help from her mother, she she began to think in a dream, how can I get this baby into the hands and into the arms and into the heart of a couple that would love her the way she deserves to be loved? So this little teenager began to search and uh, Google and talk to different people and Uh, found a way to kind of survive the first few weeks and the second few weeks and the first trimester and entering into the second trimester, it seemed like all her options had had fallen apart, that everything was frayed. She hadn't really discovered what she was going to do with this little baby in her seventh month, And, and she didn't know exactly what to do, and she was tired, and she was oh so tired. She continued to go to school, she had gotten a job at a coffee shop, trying to support herself in emotionally and mentally and physically and spiritually, just trying to support herself. And she didn't feel like she didn't, she had anybody else she could turn to. One day after school, she's working the late shift at the coffee house and a kindly older lady walks in, kind of a grandmother figure, and uh, that older lady sits down, and that little teenager walks over and says, may I take your order? And that grandmother figure looked at that little teenage girl, and God broke that older lady's heart for that little girl. She could see by that teenager's face that she was in pain, and she could tell by that teenager's body that she was pregnant, and Immediately, she began to put two and two together. But that sweet little lady had only love for that little girl. She said, Honey, are you okay? Just a simple question. Really doesn't carry a lot of weight, but boy, when it's said in the right way to the right person at the right time, it can open the floodgates. That's exactly what happened. Hearing the question, the concern of that precious saint asking for, asking for her to share her heart. Tears began to flood her eyes and stream down her cheeks as she sat down in her shift and began to tell the story. The story of pain and heartache and loss and emptiness and confusion and doubt. The story of mistakes made, choices that were wrong, but a life that was growing inside her. And that sweet lady looked at that precious little girl and she immediately began to say, okay, what can I do to help you? She began to take this little teenager uh, to her doctor's appointments, took her to the store to get more maternity clothes, and even took her and bought different uh, uh, children, baby items uh, for the baby that was to be born. Uh, she, uh, She was with her every day. She supported her financially, and finally she invited this little teenager to come live in her home while she entered into her last trimester. That little girl had not known that kind of love. She entered into that sweet woman's life, and that sweet woman entered into that teenager's life, and life began to be built. And this young girl began to experience hope. And, and even as the baby was born, it was that grandmother that was in the room. It was that grandmother uh, encouraging and shouting excitement and tears of joy as that precious little baby is born. And, and after. The baby's born, that teenager and her new child came home with that grandmother. Let me ask you a question. Who was mother to the 17-year-old girl? One had a name, but the other one had the heart. Today, I celebrate my mom. As many of you do, we, this is a day of great joy because my mother has loved me so well. Not perfectly, mind you. I mean, how could you perfectly love someone like me? It's hard. I'm thankful for my daughters who have experienced the love of a mother that is sacrificial in serving, persistent, in care, Truth-telling, yes. Strong and courageous, yes. Passionate about each one of our daughters walking closer with Jesus. Today's a happy day for us, but I know it's not happy for everyone here. I understand that. But I've got good news. And God has good news. Regardless of how you come to this day, whether it's on the height of joy or in the valley of uh, of, of sadness. Regardless how you come today to this moment in time, God has some good news for you. We're all searching for family. In fact, Jesus in Mark chapter 3, uh, he, 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 he asks a question. I want you to turn there with me, Mark chapter 3, and I want you to turn with me to uh, verses 31 through 35, just a brief little snapshot and it's in Mark and Matthew and Luke's gospel, this little story. Um, but it's a story that, that I think captures for us what we need to hear today on this Mother's Day. In Mark chapter 3, verse 31, then, Jesus, uh, then the brothers of Jesus and his mother came. Who's the mother of Jesus? Okay, just wanted to make sure we were all on the same page. Then the brothers of Jesus and his mother came and standing outside they sent to Jesus calling him and a multitude was sitting around Jesus and they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. So mom and brothers are coming to Jesus and they're a little bit worried about him. And so they come and they want to see him firsthand, they want to see him face to face but but Jesus isn't drawn into their concern but rather he teaches us a, a, a truth that we need to hear today. Jesus answered this crowd and he said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And, and he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and he said, here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus redrew the lines of family In that moment, and and he set us on a course where we can begin to understand that family is bigger than bloodlines or lineage or legacy. Family is found in relationship with God in Christ. In fact, what Jesus tells us when he asks the question, Who's my mother and who are my brothers? the answer is, We are. Jesus Christ has formed the church to be his family in this world we are his family regardless your lineage or your bloodline or your heritage regardless of 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 whether your mother is sitting with you or your mother is not whether it brings you joy to come to this day or brings you sorrow to come to this day regardless of where you are regardless of of where you've been the good news for us is that we can find family that will love us the way we long to be loved. We can find family that will care for us the way we long to be cared for. We can find family who will share the load with us. We can find family who will walk alongside us and be with us. We can find family, and that family is found in the people who are pursuing Jesus with their whole heart. Do you realize that that, uh, in different versions of this story. In Mark's Gospel it says, those who do the will of God are are my mothers and my brother. In Luke's gospel, it says, those who uh, uh, those who uh, 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 follow me are my brothers and my sisters. How we understand what it means to follow Jesus. It means that we believe in the gospel. It means that we have been rescued by God's grace, and through faith in Jesus, we've been brought into God's family. But it's more than that. You see, what this passage teaches us, and really, as it builds to a crescendo, even through uh, the New Testament, all the way to the book of the revelation is that today you and i are the church called first norfolk created by god's grace given to us in the person of jesus christ brought together by the spirit of god so that today you and you and you and you and i and we are his family in this world we're family and so we need to understand how that First Norfolk, we can live up to that calling and that title. How can you and I, how can this church live up to the, to the title of being Christ's family? How do we do that? And we are his brothers and his sisters. My goodness, he's our king, but he calls us friend and family. Now how do we live up to what he's calling us to be? in this passage. As we look uh, for an answer to this question, I, 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 want us to, I want us to take a journey. There are two other passages, three other passages I want us to look at. And, and as we look at these other passages, uh, we're focusing in on what's known as the one another passages. We're not going to deal with all of them, just a couple of them, but, but one another's. You, you know what the one another's are. In, in Paul's letters, and James' letter, even Peter, uh, there are one another's those are family words. Jesus used a one-another in John 13. He said, Here's my command to you that you love one another, right? Even as I have loved you. So that's the one another. It's family language. This is his mandate to us. This is the way we're supposed to live as the church. Not just individually, but as First Norfolk. Turn to the person on your right, say, We're family. Turn to the person to your left, say, we're family. Turn to the person behind you, say, we're family. Everybody look up here and say, we're family. family. We are family because we have been brought together by the very person of Jesus. We're His family. Gathered together in His name, we're family. We're not an organization, an institution put together by processes and programs, buildings, or budgets. We are family, blood-bought by the person of Jesus Christ, brought together by the Spirit of God so that not so that we could call ourselves the church, but so that we could live as his family in this world. And the one another's help us live as family. To do the will of God means that we're going to follow the one another's he gives us. So so what does that mean? Well, uh, to live up to the calling of being Christ's family in the world. First Norfolk, you and I need to know that love rules in Christ's family. Love rules. Love rules. And Jesus said it. He, he, here's my command. Here's how people are going to know you're my followers. By how well you love one another. I, uh, w- when, when my girls were uh, young and, uh, and, and, and Edie would hold each one in her arms, she would sing a song over them. It was a song of love. And, and uh, um, it's not... I'm hooked on a feeling. Uh, that's not it. Watch it. Watch That's not it. She would hold them in her arms and she would sing the song Mama loves you. Daddy loves you. Grandma loves you. Papa loves you. And she would go down the line of family members just singing that song. But she didn't just sing the song, she proved the truth of her words, by how she lived her life loving her girls. And we all want a love, not just, not just lyrics in a song, we all want a love that proves itself to us. When Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, he wanted them to live up to this calling, you are Christ's family. He had gone to great pains in chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 to to say, you are the building that Christ has made. You're his family on the earth. You're no longer strangers and foreigners to the covenant of God's promise, but now you are family. And as family, here's how you are to live. And he says, you need to walk in wisdom. You need to walk in light. And then he says, you need to walk in love. At the crescendo of that walk in love section in in, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to Flip over and look there, verse 32, all the way to chapter 5, verse 2. Here's what what Paul says about the church. How do we live up to our calling to be Christ's family in the world? How how are we supposed to live? Love has to rule in our family. Here's what he wrote. He said, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you and be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ also has loved us and given himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God be imitators of God and live a life of love. The model of the love is the sacrifice that Jesus made. If you didn't know this, let me tell you that we are sinners separated from God because of our sin. We're dead in our trespass. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His love, with which he loved you and me, even when we were dead, sent Jesus to make us alive. Through his death on the cross as payment for our sin, Jesus paved a way for us to be brought near to God. When we place our faith in Jesus, when we give him our lives, our sin is forgiven, and we are no longer strangers from God, but now we're family of God. That sacrificial love of Jesus is the model that we're to follow in loving others. You want love to rule? you got to love like Jesus loved. And this is the way it's supposed to be for all of us in this church. We're supposed to love each other and let that be the ruling ethic of our church. To love others means that we're kind to one another. Turn to the person to your left and say, I commit to be kind to you. Now, will you fulfill that commitment? Kindness costs us nothing, but boy, it can be a treasure that, un, that it can be an, uh, a treasure that, that fills the soul and gives strength to the heart of those to whom we are kind. Love means being kind. And by the way, you're not loving if you're not kind. It goes both, you, and I want you to hear this because some of us have, have mistakenly think, well, yeah, I love them. I just don't have to like them. Well, you might not have to like them, but you sure have to be kind to them. Love means being kind, tenderhearted. What does that mean? Love means we care. It shows compassion. It's at the very depths of who we are. We care about what's going on in somebody else's life. I want you to turn to the person to your right and say, I commit to care about you. If you don't have eye on your left or your right, you just look up at me and say, I commit, and I'll look at you. I commit to care about 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 you. Look, listen, this is not optional. This is mandate. Do you know what makes a church flourish? It's when love rules and love rules when we're kind to one another and when we are tender-hearted, compassionate toward one another. But also, love means we forgive each other. I mean, yeah, we all need a little bit more, too, sometimes, right? Uh, we, we, we forgive each other. Forgiveness isn't easy, and, and, and not all of us are made, and, and I kind of am. Um, uh, not all of us are made to forgive easy. For some of us, it comes hard, especially if the wounds that we're carrying are deep. The deeper the wound, the harder the forgiveness is. So I'm not trying to paint a picture here of, of easy forgiveness. I, it may be hard work for some of us. The term for forgiveness there in Ephesians 4 is to cover with grace. Just as God has covered you. Do you know what God, God's grace did for you? Even while you were still a sinner, hostile to God, God in His grace forgave your sin. And the price of that forgiveness is the death of Christ, His beloved Son on a cross. That's what His forgiveness does. And we cry because our forgiveness makes us an emotional, uh, emotionally uh, 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 traumatic. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm really not. I'm just saying that the model for us is Jesus, not Hallmark. Forgiveness Sometimes has to be hard work. And and I know that if your wounds are deep, if you're going to cover the the offense with grace, sometimes that means that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you say, God, I commit to forgive Eric. Even though he's done me wrong, even though he's wounded my soul, I commit to forgive Eric. And you may need to repeat that commitment at 12 o'clock. Lord, I, I, I kind of wandered away there for a second, but I want you to know today I commit to forgive Eric. About three or four o'clock, maybe your you resolve is, is getting a little low and you need a little bit more grace uh, with which to cover what I've done. And so you say at three or four o'clock, Lord, um, I'm reminded again of, of the wound I'm carrying because of Eric. And Lord, I commit to forgive Eric. And you go to bed, and you still have to do it again, and then you wake up the next morning. Maybe you need to start all over. You might say, well, Eric, is that worldly what I'm supposed to do? Yes! Yes! The option is not, I will not forgive. The option is, I'll be disobedient to God. Here's what family does. Some of y'all have been holding grudges against other people in this room for decades, and and you might think, I don't know. Guys, I've been here 17, 18 years. I know. I know. Some of y'all have been mad at me for 17, 18 years, and you can't get over it. Look, I'm not claiming innocence in all this stuff. I'm just saying that the mandate on you is the same as it is on me. I'm supposed to forgive you. You're supposed to forgive me. Cover it with grace. The model is not my emotion. The model is what God has done for me in Christ Jesus. So church, I want you to turn to the person behind you and say, I commit to forgive you. We're family. And love rules in Christ's family. We're family. And the broken are mended in the family. It's been said that the church is the only place where all the wounded get shot. And I've seen it to be true. Those who are broken are somehow deemed less than. like the little 17-year-old girl, there are some churches that would kick her out of the church, say she has no place there. And I would say that's not much of a church that's reflecting who Jesus is. In fact, I would contend that this is the place, the very place, where broken people come to find restoration, find wholeness. And Paul touched on this, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. In Galatians 6, 1, again, Paul talking to the church, telling them how they are to be, telling us how we are to be, Christ's family, which he has formed in this world. He said, Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a person is overtaken in any trespass, that trespass may be a sin. It may be a circumstance. Most likely, it's a bad life decision that is sinful against God. But if any man is overtaken, overwhelmed by a, 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 a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore, mend. Such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you and I are called by God's grace to help restore the person who's made a life choice that is sinful against God and broken their way. You know, it's your job not to stand in judgment alone. We, might, we make judgments about sin. It's not your job to stand in judgment. It's your, it's your job with gentleness to tell truth and lead that person to wholeness. One of the ways you can do this is by actually asking people how they are. Just like the sweet, dear lady asked the young teenager, how are you doing, honey? Uh, sometimes we need to ask each other, how are you doing? My, my wife does it with the girls and with me too. Uh, she, she asks this question. I want you to listen to it. She said she'll ask regularly, how are you doing emotionally? How are you doing physically? How are you doing mentally? How are you doing spiritually. She's not just being nosy. She wants to be a help, a place where her daughters can find wholeness. She wants to help restore. And friends, that's the way we're supposed to be with each other. That's the way we must be. We must be a place where those who are broken by their own decisions. I'm thankful for a mom who didn't just say, Eric, that was one mistake too many. I'm thankful for a mom who even today would say, Eric, I'm here to help. Eric, I'm in the battle with you. Eric, here's what God's word has told me today, shown me today about how you can find wholeness for your life. Eric, I'm I'm for you. Just as God himself is for you, Eric, I'm for you. Eric, the path you're walking is not the right path. Eric, the Bible is clear about how you're supposed to live your life and what you're doing today. Man, that's going to lead to disaster. Eric, you're trying to be something that God doesn't want you to be, and the end result of that is always going to be disaster. Eric, turn around. But as you turn around, Eric, I'm here for you. I will walk with you. Eric, Eric, listen, listen. I'm here to restore, to mend what's broken, what's shattered in your life, and it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. I'll help restore you. That's my mama. That's my wife. That's who we are supposed to be, to one another. We're family. So I want you to turn to the person in front of you. That means you've got to turn around, talk again, say, "How you doing?" How you doing? Now, as they answer, hold on to it because we're going to come back to that in a second. We live up to who we are as Christ's family when we live by love. We live up to who we are as Christ's family when uh, we help the broken be mended. We live up to who we are as Christ's family because, or when, uh, burdens are shared. See, burdens are shared in Christ's family. Not, not ignored, not shuffled away into the corner. Burdens are shared. I, w- I wonder how many of us really want to share the burdens of those around us. Do you know I- I'm thankful that my wife to her children has been consistent in saying, and even more so in the last uh, few years, to our girls, you're, you're not in this alone. You're not in this alone. I was telling the Robux earlier, I think parenting adult children may be the hardest, because it, it, you have no controls, right? You don't have any leverage. It's hard. But if there's one thing that we want our daughters to know, even as adult children, you are not in this alone. Not at any time. No matter the load that you have to carry, we are with you to help you carry that load. Galatians 6.2. Paul wrote, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. I don't know what your burdens are, but I can tell you, you are not walking alone. This church, this church is committed to share your burden because we're family. The last thing that we see in this, the last one another that we're going to touch on, and, and we're really going to touch on it, is yes, we lo- love rules in cross family, and, and uh, uh, burdens are mended in cross family, and uh, 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 the broken are mended in cross family, burdens are shared in cross family. We pray for one another in cross family. That's what we do. And so we're going to pray for one another. In, in, in James, uh, chapter, uh, James chapter 5, verse 16, James writes, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. He goes on and says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person accomplishes great things. You know what, praying for one another, prayer is a declaration against independence. Do you realize that? I want you to hear that. Prayer is a declaration against independence. Prayer is where I say, I can't do this alone. I need God. But then we turn to each other and we say, I need your help too. And when our prayers join together, God's power is amplified in our lives. We pray for one another. Because we believe praying for one another accomplishes great things. So, get ready. We're about to pray for one another. There are people to your left, to your right, somewhere behind you, in front of you. I want you to make, nobody, nobody is alone in these next few moments. But I want you to go to someone around you. Either in front of you, behind you, around you, to the side of you, just a couple of you. And I want you to introduce yourself. Can't be your spouse, by the way. You you should know who that is. So right now, go and introduce yourself to somebody. You don't have to walk across an aisle or anything. But nobody's alone. There are people who are sitting by themselves right now. Don't let them be alone. Introduce yourself. As you introduce yourself, stop and take time to pray for that person. No one, no one is alone. Stop take time and pray. If you're sitting there and you say, well, I'm alone, then you get up and find somebody. Let's pray for one another. Now, Father, as you hear your people praying for one another, I pray that you would knit our hearts together. That even though some of us walked into the room and we were strangers to one another, the truth is we are family together because of what you've accomplished through Christ on a cross for us. So now, Father, I pray that we would be committed to pray for one another. Each day, lifting up those around us Each day lifting up those in need. May our hearts be filled and overflowing with the love that you poured into our hearts. So that we might flow, overflow with that love toward all those we encounter. May we be kind and compassionate and forgiving. May we commit ourselves to help those who are broken find wholeness in your hand. And may we walk alongside those who are overwhelmed with the burdens that they're carrying. May we put our shoulder underneath the weight with them. That they might find strength and courage. That they might find rest even in your embrace oh God and now Father as we prepare to sing our closing song we acknowledge that for many of us we've been carrying burdens far too long and we weren't created to carry these burdens alone and God I pray oh God I beg that you would make us to be your family that looks to you and looks to each other and that we would find strength together to accomplish your calling. Now be glorified as we worship you and as we thank you for the sacrifice that you have made to bring us into your family. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.